Hi, and welcome to another episode of Joyful Projects, where we explore the secret to real excellence when we're transforming our ideas into a reality, what a lot of the world calls projects. I'm Paul Armstrong, and hey, I've spent a lot of time, a lot of years trying to figure out what it really means to enable joy and work, to have a joyful project. And I just love sharing my insights with you because, you know, what I really want to do is just help those of you and, and especially those of you who are leading a team who have a responsibility to accomplish a project, to be able to do it in a way where that epic adventure is joyful and along the way you end up engaging excellence. You know, most of what I'm going to share with you is going to make sense. All right. It's going to make sense, but we have a few twists along the way. So if you go to the bookstore and buy a book on projects, chances are it's going to have the word manage in it probably like a thousand times. I'm not going to use that word at all. One, I find a lot of us don't really have a good, clean definition of what it is, so it's kind of confusing, and it's overused. But on the flip side of that, I'm going to be consistent. So if you've read that book, I'm probably going to build on that. I'm probably going to give you a deeper appreciation of that, one that really starts to untap why this is called Joyful Projects, okay? Why it's the secret to real excellence, not just getting it done, all right? And then here's the, the biggest twist of all. In my search, which took quite a few years to figure out what does it really mean to enable joy in work. So I had a a working definition of that word. I didn't find the answer really spelled out for me in the office or in the textbooks. It suddenly unpacked for me when I was preparing a class for Sunday school and I was covering Genesis. And there it was right in the beginning of Genesis. Then a little while longer, I realized there is right in the beginning of the New Testament also. So here's what we're going to do. Along this journey of these episodes, we're going to always ground ourselves by taking Sunday's message and then applying and seeing how powerful it is when we're off doing Monday's mission. Okay? I'm really excited to share this with you. I look forward to your feedback. So, so please subscribe. Leave me your comments, all of your comments. Okay? I'd love to see them. And, and when you subscribe, hey, then you'll know when the next episode is, right? And if you want to learn more about me or the or my approach to joy and work, go to enablingjoy.com. That's all one word, enablingjoy.com. Meanwhile, let's get started. All righty. We are on episode number six. As the song says, we are family. Okay. Good thing I'm not singing the rest of the episode, right? Hey, hey. A couple episodes ago, we started unpacking sort of the pillars of engaging excellence. We said there's three pillars, the rational four, and we covered those, the cost, quality, schedule, and scope, right? And now we're on the relational three. And then down the road, we're going to look at the readiness two, the relational three. I sort of hinted in the last episode when we were talking about this, about how this matches up. You've already seen the model. We talked about rational, now we're relational. Those of you who have any sort of background in, in Jungian theory, you're starting to see, oh, wow, that's the two mental functions there, you know, thinking and feeling. That's pretty cool. If you've read Switch, you also see the thing there between the elephant and the rider, right? And you know what? A, a project is about transforming an idea into a reality. Well, guess what? Guess what? Only people have ideas, right? And And so... The project's accomplished by connecting people, helping them create value and contributing that value to the purpose. We saw that. That's that's enabling joy, right? But we have to remember, only people can do that process, right? Only people can do that process. Projects are not done by numbers on a spreadsheet. They're not done by bars on a Gantt chart. 
They're not done by the S-curves. They're not done by man-learning charts. Yes, we need them. We need those tools. But what are those tools doing? Those tools are just tools because the project is being done by minds and muscles. Okay? And guess what? If you're leading a project and you want to lead it in a joyful way to get to help it be, you know, as I've said in my book, ideal, okay? You need to be the careful custodian of those talents that are entrusted toward your leadership. I'm going to offer up a new term. It goes with the heading. Let's step aside from the terms we've always used when we talk about the various people involved in a project. First, let's step away from the word resources, okay? That resource management, human resources. Think how insulting it would be if you thought, if I thought of my wife as a spousal resource. Wow. If I thought of my kids as progeny resources. Wow, that's terrible, isn't it? So why would we do that to the team of folks that we have asked to go off on this adventure to try to transform this idea into reality? So let's not do that. So we, we're going to look at three families here. The in-house family, okay? Look at that, the in-house family. Then we're going to look at what we call, say, the contractor family. And then we're going to look at the stakeholder family. And I, I use those terms so that you can correlate them easily to those other texts uh, that help you do projects. So the in-house family, those are the folks that kind of wear the same logo you wear, okay? Probably have the same logo on their paychecks or whatever. Um, so a couple things. One, I, I got I had the pleasure of coaching kids sports for a long time, and, and I kind of noticed that we as parents – we see our own kids out there on that playing field a little differently than we see all the other players. I had a great friend. He used to call it DNA blindness. I thought it was awesome. That, and it goes in both varieties where we see our kid as way better than he or she really is, or we see them as way worse than we believe he or she should be. And, and so it's kind of like this exaggerated thing in both scales there. Well, that can happen with our own in-house family. We know these folks. We, we, go to the same water cooler. We drink out of the same coffee pot. We know these folks. And so we just have to be very careful with our in-house family that we build on the trust that we have, we have achieved with them. We know them better. We work with them. But that we don't allow that trust to blind us to where we need to rely on them and where we need to build them up and where we need to say, okay, not our strong suit. Okay. Now I know that a lot of us, we work in companies with something that would be called matrix management. And so there we have this in-house family and they're helping us on this project. And we, you know, are basically relying on them for that. But we also know that they may organizationally report to the head of engineering or head of operations or head of construction. Okay. We know that they may report to someone else who actually controls their pay. And that, that's a really a special challenge. And, and what you need to do is remember that as a project leader, you have them on your team because of their talents, because of who they are, the, the, the creative gifts that they're going to bring. And, and so you're bringing them in and you, that is the tie. That's the relationship you have with them. And now you're going to build the trust with them so that they feel equally comfortable with what looks a lot of time like two bosses. Okay. Your job is to enable joy and to not use that possible area where there's tension sometimes, but to actually make it 
where we have a bigger family, okay? Think of it in that light, a bigger family. The contractor family. Okay, so project teams a lot of times look like, they're like a Noah's Ark kind of creatures, okay? Uh, all sorts of folks coming in, doing the work that our own in-house team's a little less equipped to handle. And along the way, what I found is sometimes we have this, uh, I guess it's kind of natural maybe, where we see folks outside of our own tribe and we sort of have this little, eye, our eyebrows up like, you know, oh, who's this? You know, how should we deal with them? Your job as a project leader, what your job is, is to make sure that they're never saw, thought of as, well, they're just the contractor, just the subcontractor. You've entrusted them with helping you along the way, okay? You've entrusted them with helping them along the way. You know, it's it's like Yari Yari in your raft and you've picked this guide up who's going to help you through this part of the rapids. That's pretty important. And so you are responsible to help that you and your team bring them in as close as possible to being basically family members, okay? That they are part of the project family. And you know when you're not doing that, when, when you know, the contractors are struggling to integrate their work, their schedule into yours. It means you haven't fully brought them in. So you can see the signal when you haven't quite accomplished that. Because remember, you're hiring them to create value and to contribute to the project just as much as everybody in-house, okay? And so you really need to be explicit in their connection and helping them understand, here's what the customer wants, here's our vision. You're connecting them to that so that then they can better create the value and contribute toward it. Last one I want to talk to is what I call the stakeholder family. Okay, let's. what are stakeholders? It's a confusing term. So one, there's what I would call the sponsor or the bill payer, the ones who are actually putting the money out. Sometimes that's also the user, the customer, but we know that a lot of folks, it's paid for one place, used by another place, okay? And so we have the sponsors and the bill payers. We also have the folks that will use, live in, make light of, whatever, the the reality itself. So if we're developing software, it's the ones who are actually going to use the software. If we're building a park, it's the ones who are going to be in the park, the end users. So we have to bring them in, okay? And then the other part of the family is what I would call uh, maybe the regulators. These are the ones that really sort of influence the laws, the rules, the regulations by which we're going to accomplish the project. And a lot of times we really want to look at them as outsiders because they give us tough answers, right? But no, they're like, they're like that grandfather that comes in and, and they can speak their mind and say, you know what you're doing? You need to fix it. You need to fix it. Okay. They're the ones that really call us a task to make sure that we're not rationalizing away from goodness. Okay, and that's a natural proclivity. You know, we tend to drift away. We need those folks who are going to hold us to the integrity that we've promised to have in doing this project. So we have three families there. Imagine how strong it'll be when you decide to take this whole collection of folks that all together are part of the journey to transform the idea to reality, this epic adventure. And that instead of keeping them at a distance, you bring them in as one big extended family. It's a whole different mindset, isn't it? I want you to think about that. Just noodle it around. Think, be free to add some comments into the, the, the podcast here. Tell me what you think. But I'm pretty sure that when you reframe it, that the in-house family, you understand, wow, that DNA is going to influence my thinking. 
I got to be alert to that. Those contractors, they're not, okay, so they're contractors. They're part of the family. They're helping us on the journey. And those regulators, yeah, they're giving, they're holding us to the standard. Okay, that's okay. That's cool. We need somebody to hold us to the standard. So let's go. We got our family now. We got our family. We are family. Okie doke. Hey, this has been great. Uh, looking forward to our next podcast together. Meanwhile, you take care. Bye-bye.